Some of you maybe have heard this phrase, don't count your chickens before they... Don't put all your eggs in... There you go. When life gives you lemons, make... Good. This is that time of the year we still need lemonade. It's hot out there, folks. The mind is like a parachute. It doesn't work unless it's open. It's pretty good, huh? Some of you teachers like, yes, please. Extra coffee. It's better to be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. That's actually from the Proverbs. It's better to be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. That's one of my favorite phrases, one of my favorite Proverbs. We love wise sayings. And all of us want to be thought, all of us want to be thought to be wise, don't we? A fool is someone who knows the truth but fails to apply it. A fool is someone who knows the truth but fails to apply it. This morning, as we just continue our time in James, James here at the end of chapter 3 begins talking about wisdom. He's been talking about it all throughout, but he just kind of stops here and he says, listen, I want to describe for you two types of wisdom, a true wisdom and a false wisdom. So if you have your Bibles, open up with me to chapter 3 of James. We're going to start in verse 13, and we're asking the question of, do you think you are a wise guy or a wise gal? Is that how we say it down here, wise gal? A little extra. All right. Do you think you're a wise guy or a wise gal? False wisdom or true wisdom? So if you have your Bibles, follow along with me. James chapter 3, starting in verse 13. James says this, Who is wise and understanding? Now these are, wise is someone that you've heard the word Sophia or Sophie is a, a Greek word for wisdom. So it's just this general wisdom. But then also the word understanding here is a tradesman, a craftsman, someone who is practiced and experienced in something. They have this skill and they've not just practiced wisdom, but they've worked on it over and over and over again. And so you've seen someone that, hey, when you something in your house breaks, you call that person. Why? Because they are a skilled craftsman. They have wisdom and understanding and they can see it problem. They can fix it and quickly get you back on the road. And that's what James is talking about here is someone who's wise, but is also a tradesman, a craftsman and constantly applying this wisdom for life. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show you it by his good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. So here, this is the very first thing in chapter or verse 13. He's, he's asking this, this question. He's basically giving us a challenge. He said, listen, if you think you're wise, show me by the way that you live your life. Show me as a tradesman, as a craftsman on the way that you live your life. If you say that you're a follower of Jesus, then show me the quality of your faith by the life that you live and how you apply your craft to your life. Think of it this way. Your destination, your destination determines your path. Your destination determines your path. This, yesterday I went to two different places. I went to Columbus and I went to Bastrop. Here's what I know. They are opposite ends of LaGrange, right? So being new to the area, what do you think I did? I put my little phone there and I GPS it and I said, I want to go to Columbus and find me the field. And it took me to that place. I knew where my destination was and because I knew where my destination was, it set a path for me. It would be ridiculous for me to say, hey, listen, I want to go to Columbus and just jump in the car and start driving somewhere without having an idea of where I'm going to be going. So many of us live life that way. We don't understand where we're going and where we're heading. And when we get up every day, we don't have a purpose and meaning to our life. And we're trying to live life and trying to figure things out because we haven't determined what our destination is. 
And James says, listen, that is a fool. That is foolish living. As followers of Christ, our destination is knowing and serving Christ and passing on that knowing and serving Christ to our neighbors and those around us. That is what wise living is like. The challenge is, who do you think you are? Are you a wise person? And he talks about false wisdom and true wisdom. So in verses 14 through 16, he's going to describe what false wisdom is. And we'll talk a little bit. We're going to read it and we'll come back and talk about it. Verse 14. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it is earthly, unspiritual, and of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. So here, whenever he's talking about false wisdom, the destination, the path that's set out is about you. So when you get up in the morning and if the destination and the path and where you want to go is all about you, then this is the fruit, this is the results, the characteristics of what false wisdom looks like. But if you want true wisdom, let's look at verse 17 and 18. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. The source of it is purity, virgin, without contamination. Then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness so several things i want to, want you to see is first of all is that james in verse 13 he gives us a challenge he says who are you amongst you do you think you're wise that's the challenge and he says show me by your deeds it's a challenge show me we've talked about this over the last few weeks is that james is a, a practical book of saying listen you proclaim to be a follower of jesus that's great. You can talk about it, but I want to see your walk. And by the walk that you live, there will be evidence of you showing who you are and who you belong to and who your allegiance is to. So that when you wake up tomorrow, whose flag are you raising? Are you raising the flag of allegiance to yourself and to your own agenda and to your own stuff? Are you raising the flag of allegiance saying, Jesus, today is about you and you're, you're my destination. Everything I'm about is pursuing you and knowing you and letting my neighbors know and see that. That's what this idea of wisdom and the challenge that's there before us, to show it to by a good life, that by the way that we live life and the attitude that we have and the way that we conduct ourselves. Here's one of the things that I've noticed different about my driving from the city to here. When I drive in the city, I have a pretty good assumption that I may or may not see these people again. And so when they cut me off, I feel a little bit more free to give them the facial expression of disappointment in their driving ability. You follow me? The other day, someone did that here in LaGrange, and I was about, I was tempted. I was tempted inside of my spirit to just give them the look of, really? You're more important than I am? That yield sign doesn't mean anything? You know, you, you kind of get that moment, and I thought, oh, yes, I'm in LaGrange. They might know me. <laughs> I might know them. I might see them soon. Because I see everybody everywhere, right? And so it just changes how the good life and what that looks like. And so what does it mean for us in those moments to show people the good life? Deeds done in humility. This is literally the idea of a soldier that submits under leadership because they know that whenever the, life, whenever the battle hits and whenever... Stuff happens. Someone's got to be in charge. Someone's got to be giving directions. And so show me that whenever life hits, that you're under the submission of the general, and the general for us is Jesus Christ. 
And so that when life hits the fan, and it's going to hit the fan, right? For some of you, it's hit this week in several different ways. When life happens, who's it about? Is it about me or is it about him? Is it about Jesus? In those moments when you realize, listen, it's okay, I've been inconvenienced. It's not about me. We're willing in those moments to be a good soldier and submit because we know it's for the benefit of the team. We know it's for the benefit. We know our leader has our back and he's not going to take us someplace that we don't need to be going. He's watching out for us and caring for us. So the challenge is, are you following life in false wisdom or in true wisdom? And he begins to describe in verses 14 and following. And so the first thing he said, I want you to see is that there's a motivation behind false wisdom. There's a motivation. And this is that idea of, of jealousy is one of the um, motivations for, um, for false wisdom, that you're an envy, that you're a critic that the source coming out from within your heart is bitter water. So you've ever been around someone that they're always bitter, they're always critical, they have this spirit about them, and you're just kind of like, you know, I'm sure they're a good person, I just don't want to be around them. And the source maybe of their heart there is just this bitterness. Everything's critical, there's nothing, nothing good. And, or you've been around somebody who's extremely selfish. They have this ambition about themselves and they're always going to raise them. Listen, that's that spirit of, you walk, somebody walks into the room, again, we've talked about it the last few weeks, and we begin to, to judge and to place them somewhere because we, in those moments, we want to be above someone else. And so this is that idea of selfish ambition. So whenever we have the selfish ambition in a negative way, we begin to put other people in their place so that we can be above them because it's our desire for, our, for us to be number one so that we can boast. One of the things, I, I've coached youth sports for many years. I've played sports and one of the things that I despise about sports, especially these days, is the idea that someone does something, does their job on the field, whether it's football or baseball, and what do they do? Yeah, look what I did. I made the tackle, I made the block, I did what I was supposed to do, and I'm like, excuse me, ten other guys did their job so you can do yours. So in those moments when we want to boast, look what I did. We forget that there's a team of people doing it. False wisdom, it really kind of boasts us up and we say, listen, look what I did. And thinking about in that moment, he's really saying, my teammates are not as important as I am. I've got a little moment for doing my job, for doing the things that I'm supposed to do, and look at me. When in reality, what it should be is like, looky here. Look at what my teammates have enabled me to do. They've enabled me to, because they did their job, I was able to do my job in that one moment. Because never do you see them going, my bad. I just allowed a touchdown. Selfish wisdom. False wisdom. Don't boast in yourself. The characteristics of that, as you see, are earthly. That it's, that's driven on us. We have this. We see it even in our advertising. Just just do it. You know, make uh, Burger King, which is about to go bankrupt, says, have it your way, right? Look out for number one. It's this idea of unspiritual, that it's based on feelings, that it's not truly based on good theology, but it's how I feel this way or that way. I was even talking to someone even this last week, and they went to a conference, and it was a, a great conference that's highly um, talked about. And one of the things they came away with is that we spent an entire weekend at this Bible conference, and the Bible was never open. It's hard to have a Bible conference without Bible. So listen, that's what you need to check. Even check here. I mean, when we're teaching, you need to be checking, saying, hey, when they open up the Bible, are they teaching Bible or are they teaching what they want to teach and putting it into the Bible? 
Because there's some stuff going around me. You can teach stuff that makes sounds like maybe it's the Bible, but not truly Scripture. The characteristics are unspiritual, that it's this idea of feeling. So whenever you see in the New Testament or Old Testament, you see the soul, that's really feelings. Okay, And the soul is about feelings, and the heart is the will. It determines the path. It's the motivation of where you're going. What is the motivation of your heart and of the devil? It's evil at its source. Because the results in verse... Um, 16 says, For where you have envy and selfish ambition, okay, the motivation, there you will find disorder and chaos and every evil practice. Satan's lie to Eve was this. You will be like God. Every moment in life, when it becomes about us, we fall back to that place in the garden. And we hear that little whisper, Chris, it's about you in this moment. Chris, it's about your convenience. Chris, it's about how people perceive you. It's the way that you've, the image that you're building up, Chris, it's about you. That's that lie in the garden that you're hearing that whisper. The lie of, hey, it's okay to be pursue being like God. Raise yourself up. That's false wisdom. The other one is true wisdom. The motivation of that, verse 17 says pure. And it's literally that the source of the motivation of, of true wisdom is godly purity, like a virgin, okay? Makes me want to th- think of Madonna there for a second. Like a virgin, pure from contamination, innocent, but not naive. One of the things as a parent is I want my children to grow up being innocent, but not naive. In other words, I want them to understand and be educated about what's going on in the world, but I don't necessarily want them to experience everything that the world has to offer. They need to, they need to have some stuff. They need to be educated, right? But they don't need to be experiencing everything so they can understand it. I, as a parent, there's some things that I've experienced that I don't want my children to experience. And so experiences, many times, that's the best education you can have, but there are things that I don't want my children to participate in because it hurts their heart. It hurts their mind. It hurts their where God has them. And so listen, I can teach them. My wife can teach them. Other adults can teach them. And I I want them to be educated and I want them to be innocent in the right things, but also not to be naive. So that's the, like tonight, that's why we're showing that show. It's because as a body here, we need to be educated and not naive about what our students, what our young adults are, are struggling with. There are people, there are students in this town, okay, that they have big city problems. They're struggling with drug abuse. They're struggling with pornography. They're struggling with their sexual identity. They're struggling with meth. They're struggling with cutting. They're struggling with depression. And all those things things seem like they're from Austin or from Bastrop or whatever the big city is. But listen, they have come here. And so as adults, we need to invest in our children. We need to invest in them. And listen, so that our children can grow up without those pains and those hurts and that shame and that regret that some of us in this room are thinking about even right here. I wish that I hadn't have done this and someone would have loved me enough to talk to me about it and give me the honest truth about some tough stuff and not let me walk through it because I would much rather be innocent than naive than to be educated and ashamed. Because I've walked through self-education and we have regrets and shame and hurt and pain. Invest in those ways in wisdom. A pure source cannot produce evil. A pure source cannot produce evil. As a matter of fact, even that word purity, the very root of it, we get our word holiness from it. 
that the source of our life and true wisdom comes from a holy God and it cannot produce evil. The characteristics that come forth from that are, are peace-loving, that someone that seeks right relationships with those around them, that they understand that, that this relationship here between me and God impacts the relationships here. And that if you have broken relationships, if you have a pattern of broken relationships here, then maybe you need to check the relationship between you and God and, and seek that out and understand that, that you're considerate that you have the power to rule in certain places, but that you're considerate of others and you're just and fair. That you have the power to rule, but you choose not to rule, that you subject yourselves in those moments. That you're submissive, that you're willing to listen and willing to yield when you don't have to compromise your values. That there's things that we argue about and discuss, that we can submit and say, listen, we're going to agree to disagree and we're going to move forward. It's not going to impact our friendship. Full of mercy. Someone who forgives, okay, this is huge. Someone who forgives and then chooses to actively serve the person that offended them. That's full of mercy. That's, that's tough stuff. Not only, do we, not only do we forgive with our mouth, but then our actions show that we've forgiven those that are offended. It doesn't happen overnight. Obviously, it takes time. That we're known for good fruits. You know, it's an apple tree because of what? It has apples, right? It doesn't have oranges. If it has oranges, it's a... All right, how many of y'all like pecans? How many of y'all like pecans? Y'all are in trouble. We don't have pecans. Impartial. Everyone is equal. Everyone is equal. Listen, there's this debate going on in our country. There's athletes kneeling and not kneeling and all this different stuff. And listen, I don't necessarily agree with how that's happening, but we have to understand that there are some things that we've got to talk about, we've got to think about. We've got to think about immigration. We've got to think about race relations. We've got to, that's life. And listen, I don't deal with the same things that some others that are maybe African-American or Hispanic. I, I'm treated differently. I get it. I understand it. Okay? That's what I understand. That's all I know. But we've got to at least talk about it. We've got to educate ourselves and, and begin to think about how can we love our brothers and sisters? How can we provide an opportunity where everything is truly equal for all of us? That's what this country is built upon. Sincere. That the outside of the cup is as clean as the inside. That the outside of the cup is as clean as the inside. And that's we do really good at cleaning up for church, cleaning up for church activities when on the inside we're struggling. It's this idea of sincerity is also a word that you've heard before of hypocrisy. As we come to church and we say, hey, how are you doing? And what do we say? I'm fine. And on the inside you're saying, not fine. Loved it. Recently I've had some people come to my office and we're chit-chatting and stuff and ask the question, how are you doing? You know what they say? Fine. They turn, begin to walk, and say, you know what? I'm not fine. I'm not fine. Awesome. That's what I want to hear. Let's be authentic in our stuff and just say, listen, I want to be fine, but today's not a fine day. And begin to, to delve into that and begin to have those, those moments of saying, listen, just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean I have to clean up and present this deal. Yes, I'm in process of God reforming me and transforming my heart and my motivation. But that doesn't mean that I've arrived. That doesn't mean that I don't have days that I struggle. And then finally it says peacemaker in verse 18. Where there is peace, good fruit can be produced. Where there is peace, good fruit can be produced. James here, and also one of the things that he's dealing with is as people are being dispersed is that he's hearing stories of dissension 
and struggles within a church. Because I don't know, you've never heard this before, but sometimes people will, in church will say, I've never done it that way before. Or at my last church, we used to do this. And I've, you, you've never heard that, I know. So never. Our carpet at our place was green, and we really liked green. And so we have all these different things. And so James was hearing this. So as his church dispersed, people were saying, hey, well, James, the brother of Jesus, did church this way. And so he's hearing these stories of these struggles. And so James is reminding them, listen, we're going to be peacemakers. And we're not to have critical spirits of things that don't matter other than the gospel of Jesus. And so there's going to be different ways to do church and things that we're going to do. But quarreling is disturbing the peace. And so when there is not peace within the house of God, then we cannot produce the good fruit. Because the stories get out. Even in small towns. Okay, whenever there's not peace here, then the people outside are going to go, why would I want to go and be at a place where my family's already not at peace at home, so why would I want to go be a part of a bigger family that's not at peace? And so for us, even, church people, that we cannot be critical over the non-essentials that will hinder the mission and vision of the church. There's going to be all of us are going to have different ideas and different things because we will not produce the fruit that I believe that Jesus wants us to produce. There's almost 60,000 people in Fayette County. I guarantee you 20,000 are not going to church or don't have a relationship with the church. There's a place we've got to be seeking and moving. A wise person blazes a trail of right living that results in God-styled peace. Listen, that means that your life is not going to be perfect, but when the stuff hits the fan, when life happens, that you have a peace that passes understanding because you realize that those are just circumstances. And number one, you're not in control of them. Somebody's going to cut you off. You're going to lose your job. Those things. So many of those things that happen in life are, have nothing to do with you. They're outside of your circumstances. But if that's where you find your life, if that's where you find your purpose and your meaning, then you're finding it in the wrong place. Your destination is not your job. Your destination is not your relationships. Your destination is not in your paycheck. Your destination is not that. Your destination is Jesus. And so if you're seeking that, then that is the path that will take you. And so whenever stuff happens in life, you're saying, listen, that is just an obstacle. We're going to take a little detour here, and we're going to get back to where we need to be going. Moving forward in the journey to Jesus Christ. Some of you, even this morning, I want you to, as we continue to think about church and stuff, there's, um, I've made a couple of changes. Have y'all noticed? I've been here six weeks. I think six weeks. Have I been here six weeks? Almost six weeks. Long time. It's been a long time. <laughs> Almost six weeks. And so I've made a couple of changes. I'm preaching the Word, right? Am I preaching from the Bible? Okay. All right. We're doing things that we're supposed to be doing as a church. I know the program's changed a little bit. We've even started calling it program, not bulletin. Sorry about that. If you want to call it bulletin, go for it. Jesus is okay with it. Okay. Listen, here's the thing. Look, can we admit together, those of you who have been here for a long time, this body was at a place of not health, unhealthy, sick. And so anytime a body is sick, and the longer that the body is sick, systems begin to shut down. Okay? And so whenever you guys called me as your pastor, most of you were pretty honest and saying, listen, we were sick, we were dying, we almost died. We were at that point, okay? And so... One of the things the staff and others, as I meet with other people, we're talking, we're, we're talking about the systems of the church, and so that the systems of the church that have been dead are going to slowly begin to 
come to life. But that takes, that takes time, that takes energy, that takes money, okay? All those different things to be able to do those things. And so um, a lot of you said, hey, I'm excited about what God's doing and of people coming and of, you know, the baptisms and of new life and all that stuff. So just keep going with that and understand that and listen, know that as a part of the vision, here's some of the things that I want you guys to be seeing over the next few months is we're going we're gonna to grow groups. We need more Sunday morning groups. We need more mid-morning, mid-morning, mid, mid-week groups, right? That we need to continue to see worship grow um, in numbers. We have plenty of room. We still have empty seats. You got empty seats? Yes. Here's one of the things you need to know is that most of you, if you're on one end of the pew and someone's on the other end of the pew, someone walks in, guess what they think? That pew is full. Yeah, so scoot in the middle. All right. Uh, first impressions. We have wonderful greeters. We need more greeters. We need people out in the parking lots. We need to, to restripe our, our parking lot. We need to make things visibly signs of life. We need to have people greeting. We need to have a, a welcome center. We need to be giving out gifts. Because, listen, whenever you come to my house, if the door was locked and the lights were off and I'd invited you, what would you think? I forgot about you. Listen, we're open every Sunday, 9.15 to noon, we need to present ourselves as if we're open for our guests. And so to, to be open and be out there and saying, hey, listen, we're anticipating you and we're excited about you being here. And so we, we need to, to grow in that area and, and to show that we, we really do anticipate and we're excited about that. We've got to grow our discipleship classes. So next week we're having class 101. So those of you, those that were recently baptized and those that are thinking about being baptized that are saying, what is this Christian faith thing? Class 101. Six o'clock next Sunday, we're going to talk about those things. We're going to add classes along the way. So we'll have, eventually we'll have 101, 201 through 401, and we'll, we'll knight you for service at some point. And you can go out and fight battles, okay? So um, we're, we're going to be turning the library into a home point resource so that from babies all the way past 100, there's resources for every stage of life in the family, okay? Because how many of you have been to the library recently? One. What were you looking for? Books, yes. So we're going to keep some books in there, but we're going to make it a true resource, a, a, a resource center that you will use. Okay, we're going to make it look like a house, a cottage, and we're going to invest in there, and you're going to be able to go in there and find any kind of resource. So if you're struggling with depression, there's going to have stuff on the depression. If you're struggling, if you're a grandparent and you're struggling raising your grandkids, that's becoming more often, then you, you've, we're going to have resources in there. So that's going to be in there and then online. And so, Because here's the deal, is that we need to create a place where healthy disciples can come live and flesh out life. And that we are about, we have an idea of what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus here at Second Baptist. And to create ministries and to create opportunities for people to plug into those places so that whenever they, each week, each month, each year, that they've had opportunities on you to grow in your faith. Whether that means coming on Sunday for worship, getting in a small group, serving somewhere, going on a mission trip. Hopefully in a couple of weeks I'm going to Puerto Rico so we can begin planning our Puerto Rico trip. We're going to do some stuff in Ghana. We're going to do some stuff around the world. We, we've got stuff to do. And so I don't want us to be get caught up on what color the carpet is and if the paint color changes. That's minor stuff because Jesus doesn't care. Jesus didn't even have a building. This is just our resource to send ourselves out. This is a centrifuge. It's a gathering place to celebrate what God's doing so we can go. Because your workplace is a mission field. 
Your school is a mission field. And so let's, let's get here. Let's encourage each other. Let's slap each other on the back, give each other a good game and say, awesome. But then also be authentic and say, listen, there were some spots last week. Somebody cut me off and I loved them, but not as well as I should have. Okay? And to delve into that. I challenge you, when you see someone here and you haven't seen them before, walk up and say, hey, listen, I don't know your name. You don't know, hopefully you don't have my, I, I want to know you. And not just stop there and then say, hey, let's, what are you doing for lunch? Let's go to lunch. Because my family loves you taking us to lunch. That's awesome. But I want you to go beyond caring for your pastor that well. I want you to care for everyone in the congregation that well. That you can say, hey, I, I want to go get to know you. Because when you get to know each other a little bit, you get to know their stories, it's a little bit harder to be critical and to be judgmental, uh, you know, to get to know their stories. One of my favorite things about men and women with tattoos is 99.9% of the time when we get into conversation, I say, hey, tell me about that. There's a story. There's a story. Every one of us has a story. And most of us are begging to tell it. We're begging to tell our story. Find someone you don't know. Take them out to lunch and get to know them. True wisdom and false wisdom. Your destination determines your path. Destination Jesus or destination me? Which one is it? Let's pray together. Father God, we we love you. How great thou art. We want to proclaim that not only with our lips, but with our lives. May you be honored through the way that we live, through the way that we interact with those around us, the way that we drive, the way that we coach, the way that we teach, the way that we serve. May others see Jesus in that. Father, for I know the goal of these in this room is to bring you honor and glory and fame, and not to themselves, but to you. So that when they boast, it's not in them, but it's in you. May we boast in you this morning. For it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.